Video games have come so far in the media violence debate, but as they emerge in new territories, all the same battles must be fought all over again. Good morning, good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for March 29th, 2022. The show is in our patrons' feeds bright and early every weekday morning, and free on our YouTube channel for everyone else. You can find our flagship show, Game Face, by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed. You found this. Unfortunately, over the last week, a horrible tragedy happened in Pakistan. A young 18-year-old boy named Zain Ali opened fire on his own mother and siblings after a frustrating bout with a video game. And that video game is PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. According to Ali, Repeated defeats in the game increased my stress, and I fired shots thinking that everyone will come back to life like in the game. Ali, who is now in police custody, allegedly confessed. One of his mother's friends is quoted as saying, Zayn would never go out. He would always just stay in his room, and he didn't have any friends. Aside from these things, though, I never really saw anything wrong with him. He was a well-behaved child. He never fought with anyone. I still can't believe it. All of the mothers in my neighborhood are frightened of it, meaning PUBG. We wake up in the middle of the night and see our kids playing it like robots, and we are scared of our own children. On some levels, I get this. The people in that community have gone through something very tragic. To have, essentially, an entire family wiped out, and... You knew the kid that did it. He seemed like a good kid. The only thing to you that seemed a little off was that he spent a lot of time playing this video game where, yes, players shoot each other virtually. It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the easiest illogical correlation. But correlation is not causation. Since then, Pakistani law enforcement agencies have been pushing for a blanket ban on the game saying it incites young people to violence and criminal behavior. A high-ranking police officer wrote the provincial government a letter linking the killings to PUBG. He also cited an April 2020 case of a multiple homicide in Lahore in which a PUBG player known to use meth killed his siblings, friend, and sister-in-law after they sold his game console. Quote, it is evident that obsessive indulgence of youth in online violent games like PUBG and Fortnite is introducing into young minds of players a sense of comfort with violence leading to criminal tendencies. Therefore, such violent games, especially PUBG, need to be banned by Pakistan's telecommunication authority. End quote. Does any of this sound familiar? It should, because we've been through all this already here in America. We've been through all this already in Japan. We've been through this already in Europe. Gaming has been a part of our cultures for decades and decades now. But in places like Pakistan, it's really just starting to catch on. And honestly, most of the gaming in these emerging territories takes place on mobile. However, PUBG is perfect for areas like this because of its relatively low system requirements. 
And in all honesty, you don't really need a great internet connection to play the game either. And it is really thriving in some of these new markets. And so a lot of families are dealing with gaming addiction, let's be honest, for the very first time. And it's very easy and lazy to say, kid did something crazy, kid was playing lots of video games, it's got to be the video games, instead of looking into perhaps the mental health of the person who did it, or perhaps looking at the fact that they're abusing drugs or anything else that they could be doing in their life that could cause them to behave erratically. Now, to Pakistan's credit, there are psychologists standing up and saying, no, 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 this is wrong. Karachi-based psychologist Reba Salim says, all over the world, video games have been linked to mental health issues in children and aggression, but I would say correlation does not imply causation. The rub here is that for a lot of Pakistani youth, video games have become a means of income. Not just income to get by, but income that makes them more wealthy than their parents. In fact, just this month, the Pakistani government announced the first national pro-level PUBG tournament for professional players. So while you have certain people in law enforcement and families in Pakistan trying to blame this horrible violence on video games, there's a conflict of interest there with the country in general, and I do not see Pakistan banning PUBG. Do I wish it was for all the right reasons? Absolutely. But if it takes esports cash to get them ultimately to the right conclusion, I'll take it. The mother's friend went on to say, she was like my sister. I find it difficult to live without her. We need to raise our voices against this game so that this doesn't happen to anyone ever again. And in that quote, you can see the desperation, the, the pain, the grief that she's going through at losing her friend. And I can understand why you would just want to grasp at whatever seemed to be the most logical conclusion. But sometimes the low-hanging fruit is the poison fruit. And while it's amazing to see gaming develop and thrive in new territories, it's also disappointing to see them go through the same culture wars that have already been fought in other places, completely ignoring what we've already learned. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your sifts. In the latest sign that Call of Duty Vanguard has essentially been a disaster for Activision, and we've talked about this before on Good Morning Gaming, but the latest evidence of this is that the game is now going free to play for a full two weeks. It is the first ever two-week trial for a Call of Duty game. They didn't even do this when Ghosts came out of the gate week and never recovered. Now, you're not getting everything in the game. You're getting the multiplayer suite, but just a limited slice of it. It runs from March 30th to April 13th. You'll get two of the season's maps, a new objective mode, and a new playlist full of some of the game's most popular maps. So you're going to get a big chunk of the multiplayer here. And obviously the idea is, okay, we'll let you play this for two weeks. We'll let you get thoroughly hooked. And then we'll yank the carpet out from underneath you. And we hope that you'll stick with it. I don't know. As a Call of Duty player, I have not stuck on Vanguard. I still go back and play Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which you can get for dirt cheap at this point. I just believe it's the better game. And I feel like Call of Duty Nation agrees with me. Bandai Namco is hot on the tail of one of its biggest hits ever with Elden Ring, and it's looking to keep that momentum going with a brand new One Piece RPG called One Piece Odyssey. 
This new One Piece game for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC is based on a brand new original story and art created by Ichiro Oda. It's an action RPG, at least that's what it looks like. And it also has music written by the composer of the Tales of series. It appears to take place in a massive open world with production values far beyond any One Piece game before it. It appears that Bandai Namco is finally taking the franchise seriously. And most shocking of all is that the game is coming sometime this year. Bandai Namco has always had this great IP. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't dedicate the resources to the games that it needs to to make them smash hits. They do okay, but they're not smash hits. Perhaps it has shifted its philosophy, first with games like Elden Ring, and hopefully that development aesthetic carries over into the rest of its games going forward. Diablo Immortal pre-registration launched today. The mobile take on Blizzard's isometric action RPG franchise is almost here, but we still don't have a hard release date. But if you sign up now, you can get some cool cosmetics for your character at launch. Some new gameplay footage accompanied the announcement today, and the game is looking really sharp. The exclusive cosmetics will work on all classes, and you can register for immediate access at DiabloImmortal.com for both iOS and Android. Get going. Bungie was just recently purchased by PlayStation, but it knows where its bread is really buttered, and that is by the Destiny community. Earlier this month, a bunch of Destiny 2 YouTube videos, including some by high-profile content makers and even Bungie itself, were hit by rogue copyright takedown notices generated by fake Google accounts. Bungie is now trying to sue the people responsible and has called out YouTube for getting tricked by alleged fraudsters in the first place. You see, virtually anyone can go on YouTube and claim property over a piece of media. It has happened to us over and over again where some random media company from some far-flung country says, you know what, I own this Destiny 2 trailer. And then every episode of everything that we have ever done that has that trailer in it pops a copyright strike. And we have to go through and contest every single one of them. Sometimes each one of these requires up to 20 different responses sent to YouTube explaining that this company does not own this piece of media. It's a huge pain in the butt that we've been dealing with for years and years. Well, now Bungie's dealing with it, and it is not happy. According to a new lawsuit filed March 25th in the Western District of Washington, it targets up to 10 currently unidentified John Doe's accused of using fraudulent DMCA takedown notices to disrupt, quote, Bungie's community of players, streamers, and fans, and causing Bungie nearly incalculable damage. End quote. It believes the rogue takedowns might have been retaliation for Destiny's soundtrack videos Bungie had removed from YouTube earlier in the month. The fraudulent takedowns apparently began a day after the authorized ones were completed and used a fake Gmail address that was very similar to the one used in those earlier takedowns. It's very complicated, but not really. Bungie's lawsuit doesn't target YouTube specifically, but it does claim that it's really the only way to attain the names of the pranksters. This is a huge pain in the butt, and it really shows how much Bungie cares about its army of influencers who produce content around Destiny every single day. It perhaps provides a glimpse inside a successful game as a service, and what its developers really believe is important to its ongoing success. So Bungie is willing to file a lawsuit, get its lawyers involved, which usually costs tens and tens of thousands of dollars, 
simply because someone is messing with Destiny influencers and some of Bungie's own media as well. This shows you that to Bungie, in the grand scheme of a game as a service, the people who are pumping out the content every day around their games are very, very important. It appears that Call of Duty Warzone is always going to struggle with having multiple maps available for play. Something competitors like Apex Legends do not suffer. Call of Duty Live Operations lead Josh Bridge addressed the issue currently facing Warzone and hinted that his future isn't looking especially promising. Players have been asking for major changes like a map pool that would cycle between all its available maps, but that feature isn't coming anytime soon, if ever. Bridge said it's not really possible for the current iteration of Warzone because Activision is hesitant to increase its install size when the majority of its players are on last-gen consoles with 500GB hard drives. According to Bridge, every time Warzone receives a major map update that requires a huge download, it loses players. Bridge also said, Activision didn't really expect Warzone to take off the way it has, and it has spent a lot of time with an imperfect development pipeline. The Modern Warfare engine simply isn't designed to have almost 200 weapons on each map. We wondered why Warzone 2 was happening, and now we have our answer. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. Like some of you, I'm sure, I spent the weekend playing a whole heck of a lot of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And later on today, we will discuss this game in depth on Game Face. Join us for the live stream at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. We'll see you there. And I'm not going to spoil, as it were, my impressions of the game, but I will say this, playing this loot shooter, because that's what it is, I think people maybe thought that this game was a little different from Borderlands, but it's really not. It's really just a Borderlands spinoff. You shoot, loot comes out of enemies, you pick it up, you sort through it, move on, rinse and repeat. And I have not played a loot shooter for a long, long time. It's kind of interesting, actually, there hasn't really been one that's launched for a long, long time. At least not a high-profile one, anyway. And so this is the first one I spent a lot of time with for the better part of a year and a half, maybe two years. I think the last one I really played may have been The Division 2. So it's been a long time for me. And, wow. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten how these games work and the psychology behind them. And I started thinking about how I kept doing the same thing over and over and over compulsively. And granted, it was in a new environment. And sometimes there were new enemies, but not always. But generally, I just realized I was doing the same thing over and over. And I wondered how people get hooked on these games and just do this for months and months. I have a brother-in-law who has been playing Destiny since the first Destiny. And it is all he plays. 
and it's all he talks about on social media. And when I talk with him about games, it's the only game he can talk about. And I just wonder how people get this way. Now, obviously, some of it is probably you don't want to spend a ton of money on games or whatever. It is a good way to keep playing without spending a lot of cash. But really, it's psychology that keeps people hooked on these games. Why we love loot drops can be traced back to what's known as a feedback loop, or sometimes it's called a habit loop. Psychologists who have studied how animals and people learn long ago observed that if you pair a reward with a behavior, that behavior gets repeated more often. And if you precede the pairing with some kind of cue, whether it's visual or audio, subjects will learn to engage in the behavior at the sight or sound of that cue. The reward at the end of the process reinforces the idea that the cue is worth looking out for in the future. It creates the complete feedback loop. Destiny and Tiny Tina, items of inequality can drop randomly from any enemy. Destiny elite enemies are no more likely than trash mobs to drop loot. You can get purple loot from a lowly enemy and nothing from downing a boss. The CN elite and get excited quotient found in games like Diablo, for example, is completely missing. It eliminates the cue from the feedback loop. However, a couple studies have suggested that people who do not know what the prize will be at the end of a process are happier during the process because they're essentially being strung along. Those who know what their reward will be will normalize the reward very quickly and be left wanting. This is why Destiny does things the way it does. The truth is, when it comes to loot-driven games, you're just a number or the result of an algorithm. Diving into how these games work has given me a new appreciation for them, but also renewed disdain. There are so many issues to tackle that we almost never realize, like how to make a game compelling to play with friends who are either higher or lower leveled than you are. Unfortunately, the result in the past has been gating the games with grinding, essentially keeping the power users from becoming too powerful so they're never too far out of reach, well, within reason anyway. It also keeps long-term players engaged because if they're just walking through the game, then there's no motivation to keep grinding for better weapons. Then there's the problem of looking everything up online. If you know you can find a specific enemy and get a specific drop like with Diablo, it removes the feeling of being strung along towards a potentially exciting outcome. After looking into all this stuff, and it is really fascinating, and I could honestly talk about this for probably an hour or more. The big question that comes to mind for me is, why does neither tactic work on me? I've never become addicted to a game as a service. None of them. I mean, it helps that I have to keep moving on and playing new games every week so I can talk to you guys about them on shows like Good Morning Gaming and Game Face. But I always have a couple games that I return to consistently and they have never been a game as a service. I even choose traditional shooters like Call of Duty or Halo over games like Destiny or The Division. Perhaps I have a specific gene that makes me immune to the feedback loop, or maybe I've just seen too many players get sucked into the endless repetition of these games and it subconsciously scared me off. No matter the reason, when one does finally snare me, I'll be sure to let you know because that will mean it's something completely different and hopefully great.
Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield. Follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted at Sifted Games. The show is taking a day off tomorrow due to other responsibilities, but we'll be back on Thursday and Friday to finish out the week. Until then, make sure you seize today because there will never be another. Another.